Power and beauty of the Holy Face with Father Lawrence Carney. Today, Father discusses how this devotion prepares us for the greatest reward. That one's face is a mirror of one's soul. And these prayers are spiritual weapons hurled at God's enemies. It has been said, we become what we behold. That helps us realize why this devotion is so powerful and filled with such beauty. Praise be Jesus and Mary. I'm David Rodriguez, content director of the Fatima Center, joined by Father Lawrence Kearney, who is helping us learn a lot about the Holy Face devotion. Father, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Mr. Rodriguez. It's great to be here. Today I'd like to explore what I would say is perhaps the power, the beauty, maybe even the majesty of this devotion, which of course just means the Holy Face. Before we get into that though, Father, if you would please begin in the prayer for us. In the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of the Holy Name of God, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. So a couple of thoughts here, Father, that I had, and perhaps you can just comment on, give us your insights. One of them is simply that as I read about this devotion, I am being told that it has a lot of power to make these enemies of our Lord flee. Certainly the devils, but even the revolutionary men and that there is this great power in his face. So first, I don't know if you can even just address anything along those lines about why there might be a particular power in this devotion. Yes, because the face of God is being with the face of truth. And so those people that are prone to lying, they don't want to be around truth. It reminds me of St. John Bosco's dream. Of course, he had a lot of young men that he was trying to form to be faithful, but some of them were just bad boys. And he had a dream that they were being chased into hell by the face of God was shining behind them. And they wanted to run into the hot fire instead of face the face of God. So that's a vivid picture of the power of the face of God. But on the other side, if we're good and gentle with him, then his face will be becoming to us and will draw us and will become like him. Another thing I heard, it's interesting because I heard this in a talk. It was actually a talk on education. It had nothing really to do with the Catholic faith per se. But in my mind, I made some links. The speaker showed a slide, and in it, it was a newborn and mom. They were kind of like lying on a pillow, and they were looking at each other. And he was making the comment that when the baby's born, that, that really all it wants to do is, is stare at mom and look at mom. And that's kind of all mom wants to do is look at the baby and the two of them will will spend that time gazing at each other. And that that really is important for them to bond, for them to really establish this strong bond. And he was saying it ferments the love and something that's not going to be broken for the entire life of this child. 
And when I heard that, I immediately put myself in the role of the little infant trying to look at God and thinking, so this is one of the reasons why it's so important for me to practice this devotion and behold his face. And even a little later on in the talk, he mentioned, I think it's the English poet William Blake, who said, we become what we behold. He said that, and I thought to myself, wow, we become what we behold. And so I spend more and more time simply beholding the face of my Lord in this holy face devotion specifically, then I'm going to be more like it. And I've heard it said, and I think it's true, I think I've seen it, that people who have been married a very long time, you know, they've been married 50 years, for example, wonderful marriage, the husband and the wife start looking a little bit more like each other. You can almost tell that, yeah, like like they belong together. There, there are certain facial things that have changed over the years. And I thought, well, if that's true, what William Blake says, that we become what we behold, and the baby likes to look at the mother so much, well, this husband and wife have been looking at each other also, and they're becoming more and more like each other over the years. So I was putting all that in my head, and I was thinking that this might be one of the reasons why this devotion to the Holy Face is so powerful and so beautiful, because it's actually, in a way, I guess I wouldn't understand supernaturally, at the level of grace, like transforming us so that we're reflecting Christ and looking more like him. And when the father's looking at us, he's seeing more and more of his son in us. So that that was my insight. Your thoughts, Father? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because Adam and Eve were created to be in the presence of God. And although they couldn't look at the face of God directly because they would die, they had a certain preternatural view that was much greater than ours that helped them to stay connected to God, but we have lost that, especially in these latter times. It seems like the world has gone mad. So perhaps one of the reasons in God's divine providence that he gave us to the devotion was to stress how important it is for us humans to gaze upon the face of Christ and to face, you know, the Father and the Holy Spirit because they're our creators and we are made in their image. So practicing the devotion will help us through the eyes of faith to have that gaze to practice for the beatific vision. You know, some people I say, do you know what the beatific vision is? They say, Father, I don't know what that means. They said, well, that means seeing God face to face. And that's what St. Thomas says is the greatest reward is to be able to see God face to face forever. And so this devotion is preparing us, I think, that our faces will become like the face of Jesus. And in a practical way, uh, I've learned that a lot can be told by the face of a person. If you go to prison, you're going to see the face of people. It's going to be generally a certain way. But if you go into a convent, the faces are going to be a lot different. So, you know, you can tell a lot on the person's face because it's a mirror to the soul. Yeah, no, you're definitely right about that, Father. I I sometimes look at people and it almost looks like they have a frown on their face at all times. And other people, you look at them and it looks like they have a smile on their face at all times. And so I remind my children to not let me frown too much. If I have the grace to grow old, I'd like to grow old with the with sort of the smile on my face. And I can see that as well. And the face is the mirror of the soul, that that window to the soul, as you just said. That was beautiful. Gives me another insight there, just in the devotion of the Holy Face. So thank you for that. And then just last question to sort of close, because this is one that we have received as well. 
And that's this notion that I believe there's a line where our Lord told Sister Maria St. Pierre that the instruments of his passion. Um, so that particular phrase, these instruments of his passion were going to be, now I'm going to paraphrase, great weapons with which to defeat his enemies. I hope I'm getting that right. And so the person was asking, well, how is that? How is it that these instruments of the passion, like nails or the hyssop or the lance, how is it that these would be great weapons when, in fact, they were used to torture our Lord and to kill him? So this person didn't quite understand that. Would you be able to address that for us? Oh, sure. So, you know, the Jews committed deicide. They killed God. And when Jesus was going through the Passion, he was patiently suffering these criminals that were torturing him. And if he wanted to, he could have given them the punishment, what was could have been death at the moment. But instead, he's saving this for a later time. So what they did to him, there's going to have to be a day of justice. And so in the meantime, these instruments, the nails and the crown of thorns, that was just a certain malice, the reed and making fun of him with a, a, a robe, killing him as the king of the Jews, and all these instruments, these were used to torture him. And he has given us clients of this devotion to use those instruments. And he said to Sister Mary St. Pierre, I'm paraphrasing, to hurl them back at the enemy. And that's not just the ones that tortured him at his crucifixion, but his enemy that commits blasphemy, not just saying his name in vain, but doing things against God, the Ten Commandments against the church. We actually have these weapons now in our arsenal that Jesus would like us to use to fling them like a boomerang, you know, back at the enemy. I told my spiritual director that, and he said, oh, yeah, if you go into the missile, restore the 54, the older missiles before 1955, you have all these different masses that deal with the crown of thorns, the spear and the nails and the other various instruments. So start praying those colics and secrets and post-communions as a priest. I'm like, wow, that's it. That's going to be my priesthood is I'm going to be hurling these weapons back of the enemy at the mass as a priest. And then lay people can do this with their chaplet of the holy face and all the other different devotions here. And to think spiritually of the cross and these weapons going towards the enemy, the angels and, and the elect, and just flinging at them spiritually, the elites of the world, their agents of the devils, that's a beautiful image to have in our mind in this mystical combat. So just to make sure I understand, because I think you answered it here at the end, but when you started, in my mind, I was thinking, what exactly does that mean that I take, say, the nails or the crown of thorns or any of these other instruments and hurl them at the enemies? And I guess you're saying it's a spiritual thing and maybe it's just something in my in my mind I use as part of my meditation. As you were speaking, I also thought to myself that that's really going to, the boomerang effect, it's really going to teach me patience. That I have to be patient, that there is justice. I am not the one who meets out that justice, it's God. And so the justice is coming, I take consolation in that. I have to be patient, and that that's what these instruments are teaching me, that justice is still there, it's still coming, it requires faith. I have to be patient. And then I guess in my mind, I just hurl those at them. Is, is that right. how you would say it? Or? Yeah, that's right. We just hurl them 
And then God will direct where they go. He'll be the one that directs them. So we just, it's sort of like the total consecration to Our Lady. We just do the things that are meritorious, the devotions, and living our life as Catholics, and then let her divvy up how that's done. So that's how this is, too. Spiritually, we imagine these weapons that were hurting our Lord, and we give them back to him to use them to apply his justice, because he's God. He knows what's going to be the best. There's certainly lots of little prayers in here. I'll pray. There are all kinds of prayers connected. Then I could just keep praying those. And in my mind, the image I have, too, is that these various instruments of our Lord's passion are being hurled at his enemies, and he knows where they're going. Oh, and that's this book, The Manual of the Arch Confraternity of the Holy Face. It's just a veritable powerhouse of prayers. So I definitely recommend it. And then you mentioned that there were prayers at the Mass. Are those prayers that we can find in the Missal and that we can also pray? Or Yeah, there's a section in Missals. Like I like the St. Andrew's Missal because it's 1945. But it's a section called uh, Masses at Other Locations. And if you have an old missal that's pre-55, you'll be able to find these masses. with, And these masses have collects, secrets, and post-communions that name out these instruments. There's roughly about, I would say, seven of these types of masses. The Holy Cross is one of them. So you think of the cross being hurled. And then... There's a specific mass of the crown of thorns. There's a specific mass for the spear and the nails. So those two instruments are in one mass. And there's a few other ones. Well, those are great. I have the St. Andrew Missal. So I'm going to go home and look those up. Thank you, Father. You're welcome. I think this is about all we have time for. So if you have any closing comments or else, if you can just end us with your blessing. Yeah, I'll give you my blessing. Benedictus omnipotentis, patris et filii, spiritus sanctus, super os et maniat semper. Amen. Thank you very much, Father. May God bless you. Thank you, Mr. Rodriguez. This presentation has been brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Please spread this devotion to others. Our Lord has promised it will be a means to defeat communism and enemies of the Church. For more Catholic resources and to support this vital apostolate with a donation, please visit our website, Fatima.org, or call us at 1-800-263-8160. Every donation is appreciated and needed. May the thrice holy name of God overthrow all their plans.